Okay, we're recording. Um, yeah, uh, hi. This is Chapter by Chapter. It's a podcast. Uh, what, what's the deal? Well, this is a podcast where we're going to look at uh, all the books that you should have read by now already, but you were, you're too fucking lazy to read. That's right. You're too much of a lazy sack of crap. Uh, all you do is you sit on your butt, you open up your laptop, and you look at, like, Reddit... Tumblr, you look at cat pictures or pornography, and you think to yourself, boy, I should have read the, the great classics by now. Right, and all, and you haven't even read the great classics of pornography. No, for example, wait, how about, what are those great classics? Well, the great classics of pornography, so like uh, the Marquis de Sade. That's, a, yeah, yeah, no, that checks out. Yeah. The Marquis de Sade, we're talking about the, you know, pretty much the entire uh, contents of the sub-basement of the Vatican Library. That's a good point. Um, there is, um, what's that one where he's, oh, Lady Chatterley's Lover. Is that, that pornographic a little bit? No. Oh. Well, I mean, it, I've never it, read like, it. Lady Chatterley's Lover is only pornographic in as much as you consider, um, you know, realistic depictions of women's sexuality pornographic. And, and honestly, like, it's fucking D.H. Lawrence and... I don't know why he has that reputation, because really he did... I, I have read descriptions of sex in Lady Chatterley's Lover, and you know what, they're, they're really... It, it sounds like he never, he never had sex it, that check, with, with yeah. an actual woman. Yeah, no, I, the, a lot of authors like that have... I'm sorry, we got... I'm Eric. I'm Annie. And we're going to, yeah, read through a, a book with you. Um, every episode of this podcast is going to be one new chapter of a book, just the slowest freaking book club imaginable, but we're going to hold your hand along the way. Uh, yeah. Right, we're going we're gonna to hold your hand along the way, uh, and you, we're, we're going to stroke that hand. We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, as I hold your hand, one of my, my digits will slowly scratch the inside of your palm. Oh yeah, we're going to raise the hairs on your wrist, uh, like, a, like the true Victorian ladies that we all know you are. Absolutely. You might need a fainting couch. In fact, this is that's actually a requirement for listening to this podcast. Pull up your fainting couches, motherfuckers, because this podcast is about to start. Uh, we will sensually guide you through the, uh, the, the great classics of the Western canon. That you should have read already because you're grown-ups, and grown-ups read the great Western canon. Yeah, shame on and you. And also all the other canons. Is there such a thing as a Western canon? I think that's a good conversation to start with. No. Okay. The, the, I, I have many theories about the Western canon, but I think that this is, uh, this is a good time to start with our, uh, the, you know, the central rule of our podcast, which is that we're not here to teach you anything. That's right. No learning whatsoever. You feel like we're about to teach you something, or you're about to learn something, Throw out your headphones and toss it into a nearby lake and stomp on your iPod or whatever, iPad, i iPhone. Just stomp on it. Right. So I mean, you know, we you know, we could teach you things, yeah. right? Because I'm an English teacher and Eric is a librarian and we librarian. know lots of things about books, but you don't get to learn any of those things. I know at least some things. Uh, so for example, one question we might ask is is there such a thing as the West for there to be a canon? Now, that would be, for Between Two Smart People, a really great conversation. Will we be talking about that today? 
No, we yep. will not be talking nope. about that today. No, we won't. Because we are not here to teach you things. We, we are not here to teach you that the Western canon was a fucking CIA initiative to condemn uh, the East for its communist content and, 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 and create a completely false narrative about that there's such a thing as the West that started with, I don't know, fucking Gilgamesh and Homer and ended at some point in, uh, I don't know, when did the Western canon end? Uh, well, I, again, we won't answer that but question. But we're not going to answer that question because, because we're not teaching you anything. You're not going to learn. That's not something for you to learn. The idea is uh, you're you're a little baby and you need your little treaty treats and you need uh, two funny people such as us to guide you through a book. So every episode is going to be a new chapter of a book. And it won't be too far off, I think, from maybe like these books originally were published because I feel like, I don't know, wasn't there like a journal or like a magazine or something that like... They publish out every like every time Charles Dickens would write something, it'd be like, "Oh, there's the next chapter of." Oh yeah, totally. He, yeah. There'd be like, the, yeah, the the uh, the the chronicles, the the journals, the magazines. Where you you know Charles Dickens would read like a uh, you would read like, you know one chapter of Bleak House at a time, which is why that book is so fucking long because you weren't supposed to read it all at once. No. In fact. Just like, you know, you were, that's why, like, the operas were, like, you know, were five, six hours long, because you weren't actually supposed to pay attention while you were at the theater. No, you're, you're supposed su to talk to each other. You're supposed to talk to each other? You're supposed to get wasted? <laughs> well, last time I got wasted at the theater, I got in trouble. And, but, uh, that's the way it was supposed to be done, unfortunately. Good news is, the two of us have some wine here. So, uh, we're gonna get wasted, and we're gonna talk about... Uh, a single chapter of a book, uh, we, what would, would we decide on? We decided on Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey. And why did we decide that on that book, Eric? Oh, I hadn't read it, so that's why I wanted to do it. Uh, I, I had read it, but we... I, it's short. Yeah, it's short. It's short, and it's... You know, I, think, I feel like a lot of Austen is... All of Austen is societal satire, but Northanger Abbey is the only book that gets taught as satire. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, I don't know. So I think, um, so we, we had been wanting to know, should we, because on our, so our, our rule is no learning anything at all whatsoever. However, should we talk about some context behind this book, like when it was written, or like what it's supposed to be, or what it's supposed to do, or should we just like dive in completely blind? Right, we have we have this question for our listeners because uh, I like context, but then I am a disgusting nerd, yeah. and I feel like a lot of people don't care. Yeah, um, I I I think maybe like a little context is okay, but like there's there's such a big part of me that wants to just dive into it blind, you know. It's I know I know exactly what you mean. I kind of feel the same way, but I also feel like like we. It, it, to d our diving in blind is uh, we're not we're not exactly blind. Yeah, no, it, it would be dishonest. So wait, like here's the tiniest bit of context. I'm looking at this, and according to the uh, cover page of this, this book was published in 1996. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I. I you know, it seems a little antiquated for 96, you know, as being uh, at the same time as, like, the Backstreet Boys and Bill Clinton and all that. But a, a first signet, classic printing, Drabble Introduction, October 1996. It's right there in black and white ink. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this so is... We're talking about the great Janet's author... Jane Austen. Wunderkind of the 90s, mm -hmm. Jane Austen. Yeah, she's still alive, I think. 
Oh yeah, but she she's been cranking them out one at a time. She had that affair with uh, with Jonathan Franzen, didn't go so well. No, yeah, and she became like a huge. Um, for a while, we all thought that she was like this big, like progressive hero, but now she's like. She's gotten steadily right-wing, and right-wing, she's been a little turfy, you know? little turfy. She was definitely like a Hillary stan back in, you know, 2016. She, loved, she kept shitting all over Bernie Sanders supporters. Um, she's been lately been tweeting out, like, uh, corrections to her her novel, like, all of her characters, as though they were continuing leaving people. So she keeps tweeting out, like, oh, it turns out Emma was gay, and it turns, like, that's the reading you're supposed to have. I didn't put any of Emma actually being gay in Emma, but it's in there. Uh, yeah, I know. E- Emma was gay, and Mr. Mr. Binkley, mm-hmm. also gay. Mr. Binkley, uh, uh, yeah. And he, and he, and boy, did he fuck. Yeah. Like. Uh, he, uh, Mr. Darcy was a Chicano um, uh, immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, a little known. I mean, yeah, it's been, uh, when was fucking Northanger Abbey actually written? <laughs> That is an extremely good question, Eric. Why don't you fill this airspace? I will. While I, while I, while I discuss, while I, while I look that up. Um, eight, 1816. 1816. 1816. 1816. So we're talking about high regency period. Uh, all of the dresses are all the way up to here. All the way up to here. Right under the bustier. Oh, wow. But actually they were very comfortable. I can only imagine, and then there was a reaction after that, uh, where they started to say, hey, enough of this Napoleonic revolutionary shit, we're going back to incredibly uncomfortable dresses for women. Incredibly uncomfortable dresses, and we are going to raid all of the oceans of the world for whales so that we can strangle women's ribcages with our whalebone corsets. It's uh, true. That's the reason why I went out on a boat last, is to raid the oceans for whales. Uh, to strangle women with a bone. <laughs> I've talked myself into a corner here. Okay, so so let's let's get Eric out of his whale whale women strangling corner and and return to to 1816 where 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 the 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 boob line was high. The boob line was high. The boob line was the very high. The wine flowed. Uh, it's, um, if we knew how to run Audacity better, I'd put in a, like a background track of some nostalgic music, like but for the wrong time period. So like some sign of nineteen sixties nostalgic music. So like some folks are born silver spoon in hand, and then it's like it was the eighteen seventeens, and um, uh, Vietnam had just ended. <laughs> The 1817s, Vietnam had just ended. No, the Napoleonic Wars had just ended. That's an obvious. Uh, there you go. There you go. You right got there. there. You got yeah. there. You got there. Napoleonic Wars had just ended, which meant that when actually had they just ended? Were they over by 1816? I don't know. We're not here to learn. So. We're not here to learn. We're not here to learn. So yeah. go look it up. Go look it up. Um, so uh, Northanger Abbey is published then, and the whole thing seems to be. So we read the first chapter of Northanger Abbey, and uh, Annie's read this before, and I haven't. But right away, this first chapter, it, want to just get down breast sex? Let's do the, the intro's done. We're getting to the meat. We're getting to the meat. The meat Finally. Of the, the meat of the podcast is, uh, we're going to talk about this one chapter. Just as chapter one of Jane Austen's North, North, Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey. And the whole thing is just dripping with, uh, sass. Oh, dripping with sass. Um, yeah. I, I love this book. I learned about this book when I was in college, and we learned about it as a satire of the gothic novel. 
Um, and I feel like when, you, when you're thinking about the, go the Gothic novel, you're thinking about like mid-Victorian 19th century novels like uh, Wuthering Heights or um, Jane Eyre. Well, okay. Books like that, but that's not act. But obviously, those came after Northanger Abbey. They did so many, many decades after Northanger Abbey, and I don't know what the like the equivalent would be exactly because this was these those were actually post Gothic Gothic novels, and what she's making fun of in Northanger Abbey were the original Gothic novels from the 18th century. It really took me by surprise that this was public because there's a direct thing in here that I was like, oh, she's throwing explicit shade on Wuthering Heights. There's like a line in there that's like about, like, oh, there's no adopted son or anything like that. And I was like, oh, you're throwing shade on Wuthering Heights. But that was published in 1840-ish? Yeah. 18. So, like, 30 years before. So here's the thing. I think what, um, so the Gothic novel that was big, where we know about all of the 19th century Gothic novels, but it was also big in the 18th century. Uh, I have read the uh, Castle Otranto. Uh, I've read The Castle of Toronto, and I think that's it's by somebody. Uh, but then there's other books like The Monk. There's all these different books that are like... The Monk is cool. We should read The Monk on this podcast. We should read The Monk. I mean, there's a lot of, like, their equivalent of bodice rippers, uh, like, or shutter novels, that's they called them in German. where bodice ripping came from. Yeah, they literally would, you Nobody's know... Nobody's bodice was ever ripped before the Gothic novel. Well, no, why would you do that? A bodice was expensive. It's so expensive. They'd have to go out in the sea, strangle a whale, uh, get the whalebone... Build the bodice. <laughs> you had to, you had to build the bodice and then go about ripping it. And then and then after all that work, you went and ripped it. But that's exactly what these uh, books did. Was you know you'd have like uh, you know there's a some decadent lord in some Italian town. It's always Italy because they're trying to throw shade on um on Catholics, right? So it's always Spain or Italy. Uh, you know, the e they're Christians, but evil Christians. Romantic uh, exoticism. Oh, but yeah. also evil. Those evil, and somehow somehow also Eastern. They're, so they managed to orientalize uh, Italians, which is so weird. They're white, but, you know, they're not that white, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, like, and then there's some beautiful daughter, and she's running through a dungeon, and uh, there's her dad is, like, wants to sleep with her or something, some shit like that, and he's chasing after her in the dark dungeon, and, like, there's a bunch of ghosts and stuff. And, and also nuns. Nuns, a lot of nuns having sex. A lot of nuns having sex, a lot of, like, every, all, all, every cliche you can imagine. I think, like, the, the actual line, it was a dark and stormy night, comes from a novel from this time period. What novel was that, do you know? Not not a not one that was that is well known. I think at the time it was it was known as a like a cliche when it when the book came out it like it was panned. Yeah, people. Well, anyway, so Northanger Abbey is making fun of that. Uh, let's uh, talk about how I, it starts with. So there's someone by the name of Catherine Morland, and she, yeah, what what's her deal? Catherine Morland is well. She you have this the introduction to the, uh, Northanger Abbey chapter one. She goes from we have her entire life in uh, in one chapter from from age uh, zero to uh, to seventeen. And they make a point of saying like, oh, she's going to be a heroine in this, but she doesn't have all the trappings of a heroine. She wasn't born in a castle. She's not. Her mom didn't die. There's like a little bit of uh, an insult for Disney, right? Like her mom didn't die tragically. No, her mom is fine. She's not the youngest of seven daughters. She's just she's got a big family, but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, big family, and uh, she's not poor. In fact, her family's doing real well. Her family's doing just fine. Uh, they make a point of saying uh, her. She's got some cash. She's you know not born into poverty, unlike a real hero. 
they make a point of saying, like, there's no um, gentleman for her to be seduced by. You know, all the neighbors are just like, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, there's no, this is the insult to what I thought was an insult to Wuthering Heights before I found out Wuthering Heights was published 40, like, 30 years after. But there, uh, there's no adopted son for her to fall in love with, like, nothing like that. Right. None of the, none of the local lords have a, have a young ward who, no. uh, showed up on their doorstep as a, as a baby for, to grow up and, and fall in, madly in love with Catherine Moreland. Not even a baronet, um, dark line from there. Uh, so, I, uh, what I'm thinking is she's just like an ordinary kid, right? Yeah, she's a she's a really ordinary kid. She has uh, she has lank hair and she's pale and she's she's like an awkward uh, an awkward middle schooler and she doesn't have any accomplishments. Mm-hmm. She cannot she cannot play the she she wanted to learn to play the piano but she kind of sucked at it. Big mood. Wanted to learn to draw. She sucked at that too. Yep. She. Uh, she likes singing. She likes running around. She likes uh, rolling down the hill out behind the house with her nine brothers and sisters. She likes all that stuff. She uh, she doesn't. She's just a kid. Like she. I mean, the whole time I was like, yeah, no. She like wanted to start playing the ukulele. She learned three chords, and then like gave up and did something else. Uh, she talked with her friends about like maybe we should. Um, you know, maybe we should start a blog where we like uh, travel log our like our lives together, and like that didn't pan out, right? Yeah, yeah. She's her, she, her blog. You know, went for eight her nine Tumblr. months. Yeah, she her, had a her Tumblr. Tumblr yeah. Her Tumblr went for eight nine months, and then she just kind of gave up on it. Uh, she um, she mostly you know for there was part of me that was like she's a little bit of a tomboy, right? Like if that's still a uh, a category we can we can talk about, but she prefers sports to dolls. She prefers uh uh. I think they even explicitly said in there, like she prefers the doing stuff with her brother or brothers with men instead of uh, the sister stuff. Yeah, she didn't. She liked the sis- She liked the brother stuff more than the sister stuff. But then she uh, she makes a point of saying, you know, as she, when she from between the ages of uh, of ten and fifteen, Catherine Moreland, uh, she got she went through puberty. She went through puberty. Um, Shockingly, went through puberty. There's uh, a, a part in there where they say her complexion cleared, which is the opposite of what happened with me when I went through puberty. Oh God, me too. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, so, but one of the things, she, so she starts to get a little more girly. You know, she starts to prefer the dresses, and she starts to think, "Hey, maybe I should have paid attention in piano school, but because I want to try that now." Which is exactly what happened to me at seventeen. I was like, "Boy, I wish I had listened to mom." And not complained whenever the piano teacher was over, because then I could be like rocking out on the piano right now. Um, but she's also she's happy, Catherine Marlin. She's just is- a fucking happy kid. So one of the things she's really into though are gothic romance books. Gothic romance books, which she only gets into once she leaves middle school, becomes a high school girl, and gets uh, a rosy complexion and a and a buxom body. So much so that her parents, seeing her uh, across the room, call her almost pretty. She says, "Oh, she's almost pretty," she's- and that's actually a thing where where you're not pretty for most of your life. That's something you want to hear that right. you're almost pretty, uh, right. the, or according to Jane Austen. According to Jane Nelson, who, by the way, throughout de- dealing with all every single one of these details, she is throwing shade the entire time. Every single line here is absolutely dripping with sarcasm. In, in, with, with sarcasm. She's making fun of uh, the heroine of the Gothic novel in every single line here. I don't know, like the 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 you know. I think what we think about like you know Wuthering Heights, even though it hadn't been written yet, she's 
throwing shade on Wuthering Heights. I heard, wait, there was a really funny line in here where it's like her, uh, her figure became of consequence. And it was like, well, good God. I'm still waiting for my figure to become of consequence. It, it'll happen. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, when I read her figure was of consequence, I was like, was it ever? And then another part of my head was like, she's 15, Eric. Just, it's not cool. It's not cool, dude. Uh, anyway. The, uh, so I know so many, this reminded me of so many teenagers I knew. I know currently, and also, uh, because I hang out with teenagers, but also back then, uh, back when I was a teenager, I knew so many, uh, girls who would be like, they like sports, they like, you know, they were really tough girls, but they just loved Twilight. They just loved Twilight. So, like, the instant, like, you know, the instant you mention Edward or Jacob or something, they just dive right into, or like, you know, whatever equivalent of that era would be. So... There would be some kind, um, I guess, I don't know, um, something that's kind of like supernatural and romantic and kind of girly in its own way. I guess Buffy. Um, Buffy is a lot smarter than Twilight, but it's still of the same vein. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think I, she, she really describes somebody who is, I think we all know this girl. Mm-hmm. Except for the part about her getting getting older and becoming... Much and becoming, you know, buxom and beautiful and more like a regular teenage girl. Because it, in in my experience, you know, if you were a, a, a rolling down hills, screwing around with your brothers, hates painting in books in school, kind of, you know, middle schooler, that was also the kind of teenager you became too. I feel like this this that that high, that idea that you like as a woman you have an act of becoming as a teenager where you go from a a scrabbly street urchin type into uh, a lovely lady within a, within a few years is a is a trope that comes from, you know, novels. You say that I I have some memories. I remember uh, I remember there was a girl at school who used to play Magic the Gathering cards uh, with us uh, in middle school. She used to sit out by we had these trailers because they didn't the the county didn't want to pay for more school buildings, so they used to play Magic the Gathering cards next to the trailers on the blacktop. And then in high school, so the summer in high school, she comes back. She's wearing makeup. She's wearing tight jeans. She's wearing UGG boots. Right? She doesn't give us a second look. I'm just saying, you know. It happens. Oh, it happens. Yeah. It happens. It yeah. absolutely happens. There, I, I mean, I had uh, a lot of the a lot of the girls I was friends with in middle school who then in in high school completely see, see, did seem to completely lose their sense of humor. Yeah. Between eighth grade and ninth grade, and just get get zero zero in on um, laughing laughing at other 14-year-old boys' jokes yeah, exactly. instead of making their own. I mean, that does happen, but the idea that this is like a natural consequence of puberty. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, okay, so this seems to suggest that that's like inevitable, where it's like more like a, I don't know, like just a, it's an observation. I feel like Jane Austen's really good at just little observations. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what winds up happening? She loves these, uh, so the whole, so we keep talking about how much shade the text is throwing. What I mean by that is, Every time they mention something that uh, Catherine Moreland does or something about her family, the text goes out of the way to say something along the lines of like, well, she may not be in a, you know, a, a, a bat-haunted castle, but she still had a nice house, or like, she may be walking down the hill, and the hill might not be a, a, a barren crag rock looking over the North Sea, but, it, you know, it's still a nice hill. Like, it would really go out of its way to hammer home, like the difference between a, a silly 
fairy tale and what's going on here. Absolutely, and I think she she's Jane Austen, so she's absolutely fucking brilliant, and her, all of her sentences have this gorgeous parallel structure. Uh, you know, no one who had ever seen Catherine Morland in her infancy would have supposed her born to be an heroine. So you you read that line and you're thinking like, oh wow, she's going to be a gothic heroine. You know, she was a sickly baby, and so you think you you walking you're walking into this and you're thinking, okay, I understand where I am. I'm in a gothic novel. Then she goes on her situation in life, the character of her father and mother, her own person and disposition were all equally against her. You're still there. You're still in the gothic novel. You're still you know with Cinderella in the scullery. Her father was a clergyman without being neglected or poor and a very respectable man, though his name was Richard, and he had never been handsome. Right? So You're thinking the whole time... So, yeah, it's like making... Like, you know, you expect for a gothic heroine that she's going to be... Uh, uh, there's going to be a fleeing noble who gives birth to a baby on the steps of Notre Dame Cathedral, and then it's adopted by a band of gypsies. And, like... No, it's, she's just an ordinary effing kid. She's an ordinary, ordinary effing kid, and her father was very respectable in spite being named Richard. It's, I feel like I've read so many books. I've read a bunch of books nowadays that'll do stuff like that, like uh, especially kids' books, honestly. Um, I've recommended... I, I'm, I'm a young adult librarian, and I've recommended books to kids that'll start off like, you know, uh, uh, Jackie Two-Tone wasn't... Uh, you know, he wasn't... Uh, born Harry Potter or anything, but he, you know, he still did fine enough. Uh, it's interesting to see that that trope is older than you think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think that that is absolutely ancient. That this idea that we're, you know, that we you have to present your your character as already encased in in a literary genre when you begin. So up until the very end. By the way. Every once in a while, we might read out loud from the text. Should we, like, split it off and put, like... I mean, this is a question that I... Podcasters asking you, whoever the hell is listening to this shit. Should we, like, split it off, put some, like, soft music in the background, do, like, some kind of, like, you know, special quote mark? Like, what, what do you think? Should we, should we make an echo effect every time we read out loud from the book? I like the idea of putting a really exaggerated cinematic music behind our quotations. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Even the most banal quotations, just like... Just like... The father, in spite of being named... Was, was a respectable man, in spite of being named Richard. All right, bum, let's bum, bum, bum. Chapter... So the very end, they say... Okay, so when a young lady, his two... But... Let's start that over again. But when a young lady is to be a heroine, the perverseness of 40 surrounding families cannot prevent her from uh, being the heroine that she needs to be. Something must and will happen to throw a hero her way. Uh, so Mr. Allen, who owned the chief of the property about Fullerton, the village that's next door, uh, was ordered to Bath for the benefit of a gouty constitution, so his feet are fucked up and he needs to go to Bath nearby. Uh, so Miss Moore... Uh, his uh, wife said, hey, Miss Moreland should come along with us and find a dude. Come along and find a dude. She's 17 years old. Her never been to Bath before. Never been to Bath. And whenever you're in, a Jane, when you're in Jane Austen mm -hmm. and somebody suggests you go to Bath. You go to Bath. You go to Bath. Have you ever been to Bath, Annie? I have been to Bath. I have not been to Bath. How is Bath? Bath is 
absolutely gorgeous. It is the only place in the world where you re you actually feel like you're walking around in a Jane Austen novel. And they, it is mainly Regency period houses oh, okay. and a really, really sexy Roman bath. Oh, so that's why they call it bath. It's called, yeah, because the British are the most like literal people in the world. Yeah. In Bath, you go to have a bath. Yeah, so like stick wood upon Newcastle is like literally there's a stick and some wood upon a Newcastle. You have yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And you go to you go to Bath to take the waters, which doesn't actually mean swim when in Regency period England it me it means um, dress up in your finery mm -hmm. and go to like uh, like the watering place in bath and drink like this mineral water that tastes disgusting. I had some when I was there when I was 14 years old. And it you tastes were like sulfur. Trying to recover from your gout. I was trying to recover from my gout, which mm. was a really big problem in Park Slope <laughs> in the 90s. It's, it's true. All that heavy heavy foods. All those heavy all the all that all that New York City uh, pizza and and Pepsi. I was trying to recover from my gout. I was mm. in bath. I was taking the waters. Um, with my, my mother and sisters, and I managed to go through an entire season without getting married, and then they were like, girl, no. Yeah. Girl, no. no. You can't go to Bath and not come away with a husband. That's where you met uh, Steve, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I met my husband, Steve. Um, we went to Bath, but, you know, we didn't hook up in Bath. <laughs> no, we you just took the waters. Because we, we had to finish high school first. I was thinking, like, when you take... So that's pretty interesting. I, not that I learned anything, because... Oh, I'm gonna forget we, this right we're now. Not, we're not learning anything. No, we're not. But uh, I, uh, I was thinking like, if you have gout, right, and your feet are all swollen and janky, and, like it's not even a sauna situation where you're sitting there and it's just nice and hot and it makes you. It's just you drink a, uh, you just drink something. You yeah. just Drink some like some dirt water. Oh yeah, and you party. You drink disgusting water from underground, mm -hmm. and you party. You go to parties every single day. Oh, and that's what, like, it raises your spirits, at least. Yeah, it raises your spirits, and you get taken around in a bath chair. What is a bath chair? A bath chair is like a sedan chair, and this is something that's, like, very 18th century, where your, like, servants, four servants carry you around in a chair so that you don't have to dirty your feet. Wow, I want to do this. Yeah, it's very, it's very like uh, like the chairs that they get taken around in in Game of Thrones. I would love to take the waters at Bath and have my servants carry me around and just party everywhere. Yeah, you you party, you take care of your gout, you drink disgusting water, mm -hmm. and you you find yourself a mate. Yeah, oh, that's which is important. Well, or if you have like a niece or like a neighbor's uh, kid who doesn't have a mate yet, you know, take her along. She's never been out of the village. All the other local boys are kind of assholes. She needs to see the city. She needs to see the city. When I'm always like amazed when these the, in uh, Jane Austen novels that they're always like taking their neighbors' places. I don't know who my neighbors are. I'm not taking their their daughter, their teenage daughters, on vacation with me. I think maybe I should learn about my neighbors. Like I should knock on their door, maybe organize my tenant building, right? Organize all the tenants in my building. Yeah. We can all complain together every time the, the heat is on. We don't want it to be on. Um, no, okay, wait a minute. Back in the day, though, taking a vacation was, like, a much more big deal. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't, you didn't take a vacation in the, unless you were, like, basically an aristocrat or gentry or something like that. And I think that the word vacation hadn't really been invented yet. No. You didn't even go on holiday. Like, this was not a vacation. People just went and lived somewhere else before, for six months of the year. Yeah, it's like a big deal. So, like, I guess if you're packing all your shit to live in your other house 
in another town, it's like, yeah, I can, I can take your niece, you know? Yeah, in fact, in, in, uh, in Persuasion, like, the family is broke, mm-hmm. and so are renting out their, uh, their estate and going to live in Bath. For, for the season. No, Persuasion, that's that um, pick-up artist novel that, uh, the, that that one guy wrote, right? It's how to, how to convince women to sleep with you at bars? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I've read that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's where the term nagging came from. It was uh, written by Jane Austen. Yep, 1818. Yeah. 18. I might want to look out. Will there be... I haven't read Northanger Abbey. Will there be romance in Northanger Abbey? There might be romance, if but you, any... you'll be surprised by the kind of romance there is in Northanger Abbey because... It is. I, I I was thinking about this on my way over here, where I went and saw uh, Us, the horror movie this week. Oh, I haven't seen that. And uh, there's this opening scene where, before the gruesome, disgusting, horrible things happen to the entire world, there's a little girl who wanders out onto the beach by herself. Um, she gets lost from her father, and she wanders out onto the beach. And I, uh, and there's this absolutely gorgeous scene of just the ocean. Oh. And it's just, it's just artful and beautiful and very, very quiet and well-made. And I thought to myself, this would be a very different kind of movie and a very different kind of world that we lived in if, like, instead of, uh, if, like, if you just, we rewrote horror movies to just be like, and the little girl ran out into the ocean and beheld time in its eternity and the, and the, and the, the, the essence of everything simultaneously and, and nature in its totality, uh, you know, instead of her wandering into a funhouse well, of mirrors, don't, don't, don't I won't give it. Like I won't that. give the rest away. But you know, will there be crap like that in Northanger Abbey? There, there will be crap like that in Northanger Abbey because the the uh, the main character romance happens, but it's it's not what you think. Well, the reason why I ask is I want to know. I want to you know ring a little gong every time there's nagging. Anytime there's nagging. That happens. Like, you know, uh, she is not so unhandsome. She's handsome enough, but not so tempting as to... Ding! Yeah, exactly. What, what's the line? I think that was from Pride and Prejudice. Not handsome. She's, she's handsome enough, but not enough to tempt me. Ding! Nagging! Uh, anytime there's nagging, I think we should ring like a little bell. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. And if I think if we're going to read any Jane Austen, we're going to need a lot of bells. We're going to really go through these bells, ladies and germs. Uh, okay, yeah, that was chapter one of uh, Northanger Abbey. Uh, I can't wait to see what goes on. I'm pretty sure she's going to... I mean, who knows, right? I've never read it, and I don't intend to learn anything. So maybe this will turn out to be like a, like a very topical horror movie, like Us, and like she's going to go to Northanger Abbey and get murdered in some horrible way. Yes. Uh, that's what happens? Yes. Okay, uh, that's the end of the podcast, everyone. Uh, goodbye. No, just kidding. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to find out what happens next. Um, what do you say we move on to our next segment, which is we're going to plug some stuff. Uh, I want to plug interesting uh, movies, books, culture that we've seen lately, and anything in the New York area that we want people to go to. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, yep. let's do it. Uh, you first. Uh, April 11th, uh, there's a DSA uh, housing rally. Oh, awesome. Uh, we, also, you should see us. I haven't seen it. I intend to see it. I want to see it with my coworkers. Uh, but they all said we all want to see it together. So I said, okay, I'm going to hold off seeing us until I can go with all of my coworkers. But they still haven't gone yet. So I'm just really just gritting my teeth, waiting for them. Anyway, uh, now you. Yeah, I am... Uh, I'm reading... Uh... 
biography of Henry Ward Beecher right now for uh, some of the New York City walking tours that right? I give. Uh, it's called The Most Famous Man in America. So help me, I did not know you gave New York City walking tours. Really? I did not know that. I give I give New York City walking tours. It's a very new thing. I make very little money off of it. I'd love to I'd love to go on one of your tours. They are very expensive. I won't. I would not love to go but on But I can give tours. you a tour for free. Aha. Uh-huh. If you are my friend. Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I better keep it nice on this podcast or else I won't get this free tour. Uh, it's the reason why I'm doing this is to cash in on that free, free tours, baby. Um, the, uh, let's see, what am I reading? I'm in the middle of, uh, there is a graphic novel, I like graphic novels, I call them graphic novels, I know that a lot of people are like, just call them comic books. In the library, we have them designated as graphic novels, so they're in my head as graphic novels, I'm not just being a snooty pants, but, I'm in the middle of one, it's like a French one, and it's kind of like steampunk, it's called, like, Journey to the Moon, hold on, I have it in my room, uh, uh, Annie, uh, soft shoe for a second. I'm soft-shoeing. I think that means I'm supposed to be doing a dance. This is a little bit like vamping on the piano um, while Eric goes into his room and gets a book. So just pretend that I can play the piano and I'm good at it. Castle in the Stars. Castle in the Stars. Vamping, that's the word I'm looking for, sorry. Uh, Castle in the Stars, it's by... And it's a pretty fun... I like its art. I like its art because it's this really colorful watercolor... Uh, the plot is completely derivative and boring. Uh, it's unusually historically accurate, so that's pretty cool. And also the steampunk is, uh, this is what I love the most about it. Uh, even though it has this incredibly derivative and boring story, is that the steampunk is restrained. Uh, every time there's a new contraption, they make a point of everybody stopping and going, wow, look at that new contraption, instead of a lot of other steampunk stuff where everybody has a fucking cog on their hat, everybody's on steam-powered feet or whatever. And it's dumb. It's just like in um, fantasy books where magic just is everywhere and nobody cares. Like, no, if there's something special, I want it to be special. I want to do steampunk Regency period. Is, I guess Regency could be, because steampunk is usually Victorian. It's usually Victorian because it's just like early, early industrial, churning, churning wheels, cogs. But there's, there was steam power in the, Re- the Regency era, right? There was yeah. Like, there was all rudimentary, but... All the all the, the like the the uh, tiger tiger burning bright the William Blake poem yeah, that's that sort of about like early industry. What would it be called? Napoleon punk. Napoleon Napoleon punk. Although I Napoleonic mean, Napoleonic punk, that would be kind of awesome. None It'd of be, it is punk though. That's the other thing too. Steampunk isn't cyberpunk is punk. Like people break the rules. Steampunk isn't punk in the slightest. No, this is kind of very uh, reactionary. Yeah, it's like steam just. Adventure. I, I think that we could get we could get more. Napole- Napoleon was way more punk than steampunk. Napoleon, ah, because they had those those little because he was he he was trying to they were doing he was out of coming out of the revolution. He was, but then he started his own reaction. I feel like calling yeah, Napoleon he, punk is like calling conservative the new counterculture, like right. Yeah, I mean he you know he went he went he went you know hard reactionary liberal. For sure. He sold out. Yeah, That's what he it was. He's like a punk out. band who then like signed up with a record label and changed his whole sound. Yeah, but yeah. that whole... But I was thinking like less like Napoleon in himself than like the Regency period. Yeah. Like we got... Because he got like, you know, early socialism. You have early socialism. In that, in, in that period. Uh, Marx was born... Then? No. Near. Yeah. Around. Like we got like uh, the, 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 the pre... The pre... Pre-Marxian, pre 
uh, socialists like Proudhon. You have all those zany uh, utopianists, right? Like you have all those um, like Enlightenment era people. I really like those guys who did the etchings of like giant uh, neoclassical structures that couldn't possibly exist, and they're all like uh, insane looking. Those are punk. Those are pretty punk. Well, they're also pretty fascist though. But oh, no, they weren't at the time. They weren't. Yeah, that's a good point. They were. They were like uh, like the the Chartists. The Chartists were definitely punk. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so that's our show. Um, I think we should close out now. Uh, thanks for listening so far. Uh, if you have any comments or concerns, uh, please uh, shove them up your ass. No, but actually send them to no, us. No, no, actually send we, it to we, us. We, we, will, we will read them on the air. I don't know why I was that aggressive right there. I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm a little hungry. We're, we're working out a lot of things. We're working out. This is actually partially therapy for me. Uh, okay, goodbye, everybody.